0: Uh, This afternoon, along with my father and my sister and her husband a little bit later on. And uh, it's right to do that. And uh, I have mixed feelings about it. Um, I'm looking forward to it on one level and dreading it on another level. And uh, so much of what we find when we talk about mothering and what do I know about mothering, but in terms of what we look at uh, about the principles of being a mother and what we see in today's passage about being a mother, about two mothers, about Sarah and Hagar, is that being a mother is a mixed thing. There's joy and there is pain. There is uh, excitement and and pleasure, and then there is also uh, agony in so many ways. And that's what we see in life, and it's what our personal experience often is, and it's also what we see in our passage today. And today in Genesis 21, we're looking at um, we're looking at uh, uh, two mothers and God, uh, a tale of two mothers and God first of all, we have Sarah. Isn't Sarah blessed here, right? So uh, the Lord is gracious to her, as he said, did what he had promised. There's all God at work here. She became pregnant, bore a son to Abraham, and, and, and the words are added there, in his old age, to emphasize it's God doing this. At the very time God had promised us, we've got God being mentioned here a lot, because it's God is, is organizing all of this, orchestrating it. He uh, gives uh, Abraham gives the name Isaac to the son that Sarah bore him, and he circumcises him as God had commanded. Emphasis there—it's God's command—and then Abraham and then Sarah has this lovely uh, phrase where she says, "God," uh, Sarah said, "God has brought me laughter." god has brought me laughter anybody know what the significance is of the laughter put comment there there's a bit more to it than just actual laughter anybody know what the significance is of the reference to laughter so because Sarah laughed when she was first told she was gonna have a baby okay so there are two two laughter bits of laughter there's laughter in incredulity And then there's laughter and joy of receiving the promise. And there's another thing about laughter. Probably because she was very old. (laughs) Maybe people would laugh at her. I don't know. Actually, you can imagine that. People would have laughed at her saying, I'm going to have a child. The Lord has promised. And people might have laughed at her and Abraham for believing that. Actually, that's quite right. And Desmond, yeah, there's there's some sort of sarcastic laughter earlier on in earlier chapters there's another reason there's one more isaac yeah okay so of course my father knows which is that the name isaac in hebrew means laughter or he laughs and so this is what's going on here is we have this this laughter uh, she says god has brought me laughter Laughter in relief, laughter in joy, laughter as an antidote to the, uh, the pain of waiting for the promise to come to fruition. And he's brought me Isaac. He's, he's brought me laughter. He's brought me Isaac laughter, if you like. And what does she say? Everyone who hears about this will laugh with me, will Isaac with me and rejoice over that. And then she adds, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. Who would have said it? Nobody would have said it except God. So we see the, 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 uh, uh, the promise of God coming to, uh, to full fruition here. She's blessed. It's the right time. And she's anticipating a good response from other people. Other people are going to be laughing with her, not at her. Uh, there's an acknowledgement that the challenge is real. She's old. He's old. And she sees the whole thing is coming from God. It is from God. It's not just a lucky chance thing. It's from God. And then there's a feast. Abraham organizes a feast after he's weaned. And uh, there's a great feast, it says. (coughs) Excuse me. It's good to celebrate the birth of a child, but weaning would have been a bit later. We're talking um, maybe three years old. And the reason for having a feast then is largely because Child mortality was so high in those days that the vast majority of children, uh, very likely, did not even make it to three years old. But once you get about three years old and up, then the chances of living uh, to a, a adulthood are greatly increased. And so, what Abraham's celebrating with the feast is not only is the child born, but it looks like it's going to work out for him to become the child of the promise and, and my heir. And so, we have this big feast. <clears throat> so, wonderful thing. Now, let me ask you. How do you suppose sarah's feeling at this time what do you suppose is going through her heart uh, even maybe her mind too but what's what imagine you mums can probably imagine better than us males on the call here but you know for all of us what do you think what do you imagine she was feeling around this time in in her life Penn says how is she going to cope with sleepless nights What, especially at that age it's tough enough when you're young right <laughs> Imagine having sleepless nights when you're best part of 100 years old. Okay, interesting. All right, I don't know about Akin. That would be a bit like your mum becoming a mum again right now. That would be incredible. Bill, not another one? Hmm, okay.
1: Uh, Elsie and I were just saying we, we think that she would have been feeling a, a degree of, of gratefulness, um, perhaps slight overwhelmment about the promise and what that will mean and uh yeah so that's what we were just discussing (laughs) yeah
0: thanks Elsie yeah a bit of being maybe being overwhelmed yes good other thoughts should have been feeling finally like um maybe increased self-worth because it appears like for a long time she didn't have a child she she wanted to have a child and did the thing with Abraham to have a child with a slave. But, um, but finally, she would have felt like, I don't know the word to use, but almost like this has finally happened. And my position as a wife is cemented or, I don't know, given the, the importance of having a, um, a son in, in the culture at the time yeah very significant yeah maybe i've arrived we're safe uh penny says she might be feeling embarrassed by her previous skepticism in the past and ent- entirely <clears throat> impossible i am uh, completely overwhelmed with joy fear and anxiety on how to raise the child this child of the promise i mean raising any child is a challenge in that sense but the child of the promise yeah i think she could be quite proud maybe proud of her. yeah of what's going on. Dan, my dad says yeah just proud of of the accomplishment and of god using her maybe yeah i would imagine so yeah interesting okay but but this is only the beginning right next part of the story which uh was read to us um there's the feast but at the feast something goes wrong at the feast sarah sees that the son whom hagar the egyptian had born to abraham was mocking this is Ishmael not named interestingly but it's Ishmael uh, who is a uh, probably a teenager at this point and he's mocking and of course mocking again the Hebrew word is the same root word as for laughter so you've got a different kind of laughter going on so you've got you've got Ishmael laughing at the laughter boy um, bit mocking and uh, Sarah says to Abraham get rid of that slave woman and her son and of course, it's interesting she refers to a slave woman because she's also actually really Abraham's wife. Remember, he didn't marry her. Anyway, get rid of the slave woman and her son. But that woman's son will never share in the inheritance with my son. Isaac, never share in the inheritance. Hmm. Uh, Abraham is greatly distressed because he loves his son. But God says, don't be distressed about the boy, the slave woman. Listen to what Sarah tells you is through Isaac, your offspring will be reckoned. And verse 13, I will make the son of the slave into a nation also, because he is your offspring. So we'll go on on in a minute. Okay, so we've had the joy, we've had the sense of overwhelmment. maybe we've had the laughter from Sarah. Now we have the laughter from Ishmael, a different kind of laughter. And Sarah expresses her concerns to Abraham and tells him what she wants him to do. Now, how is Sarah feeling? Come on, now let's think about this. Gone from this pinnacle of joy, to this situation so how is she feeling now what do you think everybody unmute yourself or put something in the chat threatened. sorry she was feeling threatened by the light
1: yeah threatened for her son and protective over here
0: thanks threatened says okay yeah she feels threatened
1: I wonder whether there's um, a comparison here. And the, so the threat is on several levels. Um, you know, that she was able to give Abraham a son before her. Um, the idea that he would be equal with Isaac, therefore she doesn't want the inheritance shared with him. The, the threat, not just of, of from the son perspective, but also from her own position, perhaps.
0: Yeah, her position under threat. Okay, fearful that the promises may not be as said. Mm. Uh, Leon and Sarah rejected, betrayed. Okay, any other thoughts? She may be feeling um, regretful because she's the one who suggested that um, Abraham take Hagar as his wife to have a child. She she she, she suggested that. She gave, you know, yeah to... Um, so she probably is feeling guilty and regret. I don't know, a whole bunch of other things that come that. That would be very understandable. Quite right. I, I think some people say that Sarah is jealous. I, I think her fear is founded on the prospect that the child of Hagar, Ishmael, could supplant her son. I, I think her key fear is for her son her son her inheritance but really her son's inheritance that if this older son ishmael is already Isaacing isaac mocking him and he's older maybe he'll do him real harm maybe he'll get in the way of sarah's son uh, having its his best chances in life and his inheritance and i think all parents can relate to this And perhaps mums more than dads, I don't know. But I think we all can relate to the idea that we want the best for our children and we want whatever gets in the way to be removed, whether that's illness, whether that's a difficulty in relationships, whether that's challenges with education um, or whatever it is, we want to create the best conditions for our child. And that's understandable. And when our child's uh, safety is threatened, it brings out something very fierce in us. Uh, even in uh, uh, some of the most mild mannered amongst us. So I'm going to tell you a short story. So we lived in Harrow a few years ago, and some of you may remember the house we lived in, in Long Road. And at the back of that house was a big sort of yard area, and our children were younger, and they used to take their bikes out now and again. And Fred would take his bike out for a little ride round the, um, the roads where we are. With The road we were on was a cul-de-sac. So it quite safe for him to cycle down and back. One time he came back, and uh, he's, he'd been pushed off his bike by some local bullies. And I think his bike had been actually taken from him. And this was a kid we'd seen before that sometimes would come sort of around the side of the house, and partly into the back part of the house. So we'd, we'd seen him before. So we were very upset about this, but didn't know what to do. Anyway, uh, I think it may have been the same day. It was certainly very soon after. Um, this same child who Fred identified had been the one to bully him. Actually walked down the little alley towards the back of our house. And Penny happened to be out there. And Penny, as you know, is a very gentle, mild-mannered person. But when she saw this child that had bullied Fred, she grabbed him by the lapels of his shirt, lifted him off the ground, and said, you are not to do this ever to my son. And she gave him a right turning off and frightened the living daylights out of this kid who was shaking at this point. And as Penny says, her inner bear came out. And she then put the child back down he ran off and we never heard from him again he never came near our son ever again i'm very proud of my wife for scaring that child i, I you know there's that protective side that is built into all parents but perhaps especially mothers and we need that we need that protective side And i don't know that what sarah is suggesting is right exactly <laughs> But it's okay for her to feel protective towards her son, because God has a plan for the other son. It's going to work out for the other son. It's going to be fine. But for her son, she has that fierceness. And I think that models how God feels about us. God is fiercely jealous for us. He's fiercely protective. wants to protect us from all spiritual harm. And I think we see that there in the heart of Sarah. Well, Let's go on talk about uh, Hagar. Um, we do see that Abraham, by the way, here is portrayed as being obedient and faithful because he circumcises his son and he gives him the name that God told him to give him. And terms turns as with Isaac and then with Hagar, uh, with Ishmael, he also obeys God. Then he trusts that God will do what he says because early the next morning he takes some food, a skin of water, gives them to Hagar, sets them sends them up, sends them off, and off they go a wandering. And it's you know a scary and not a pleasant thing to see this, but God is involved. So having talked about Sarah a little bit, let's talk about uh, Hagar. She goes off with uh, her son, and the water uh, runs out. And she puts the boy under one of the bushes, goes off about a bow shot away, which is an interesting thing because later on we learn he becomes an archer. So I don't know what's going on there, but some connection. She says, "I cannot watch the boy die." and she begins to sob so the boy is crying she's sobbing they're under different bushes somewhere in the desert area and god hears the boy cry we can imagine the scene you can imagine the child crying many of us have had children that have been very ill and been uh, in tears or or hungry uh, and uh, uh, and we've been ourselves in great pain over our children if we're parents Um, Their own heartbreak becomes our heartbreak, whether it's uh, a breakup with a boyfriend or girlfriend or a a lost opportunity in life or an illness. Uh, When our son contracted uh, meningococcal septicemia, it was a tough time for all of us. Penny and I were crying a lot. These things happen and the boy is crying and people speculate that perhaps he's crying because it's his fault. Uh, you know he was the one doing the mocking and that was noticed and then they've been sent away so perhaps he's his tears are regretful tears so hagar hagar i wonder how she's feeling um is she feeling I, i imagine she's feeling pretty desperate pretty uh hopeless there's not been much of a promise to her here the promise was made by god to abraham and though Hagar has received promises from God in earlier chapters and now looks like it's not going to work out. They're in the desert with no water. Everybody's crying. Sometimes it feels like that, doesn't it? it? doesn't feel like there's any light at the end of the tunnel. There's just a tunnel and it just disappears into the blackness. It feels like life hasn't worked out the way we'd hoped. It feels like the promises of God haven't come to uh, to reality in our lives. It feels like there's no end to our suffering our pain and the challenges that we have and i don't know about you but i feel that that way somewhat in this covid situation and even though things are beginning to go in a better direction we're going to be living with this and the and the um the consequences of this for a decade or two or more some of us and this is how i think hagar is feeling pretty desperate but then God intervenes. And God intervenes by sending his angel. We've seen the angel many times in Genesis. And the angel of God calls to Hagar from heaven and says, what's the matter? Which seems like a pretty bland question to me. Like, what do you mean, what's the matter? <laughs> Can't you see? Anyway, what's the matter? Do not be afraid. There's an instruction there. God has heard. God has heard the boy crying. As he lies there, lift the boy up, take him by the hand. I will make him into a great nation. Reiterating the promise that had been made earlier. God opened her eyes. She saw a well of water. She went, filled the skin with water, gave the boy a drink. The boy grows up, becomes a, lives in the desert, becomes an archer. And while living in the desert, his mother got a wife for him from Egypt. And got a wife for him. Would life be simpler if if our children just allowed their mothers to pick a wife for them or or a husband i, I think life would be a lot better for a lot of uh, children maybe no maybe that won't work i don't know but anyway that's what she does okay let me ask you this then another question for you what 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 kind of emotions has hagar been going through here what kind of feelings what kind of imagining has so she been going through here. What is what's she now thinking about? Perhaps towards the end here of this situation. Oh, okay, it says it's probably building her faith in God that He keeps to His word. Yeah. Doesn't look like He does at times, but He does, yes. So it would build her faith, yes. He's able to provide, yes, even in the most desperate circumstances. Oh, look, there's a well you hadn't noticed over there. Maybe a bit anxious, Garth and Lissa, yeah. A bit anxious and confused. I mean I <laughs> I'd have been anxious and confused about what's going on. Yes. What else? Angry, says Maybe angry. Angry towards what? Abraham, maybe. Angry towards Sarah, perhaps. Maybe angry towards God. The Palmers. Agar may have felt outcast from society as she left her husband. Yeah, I mean, as, what, what community does she have? She has no community anymore. No society to accept her and protect her and provide. Yeah, you know? good point. I don't know. I think maybe the uncertainty of life. You know, she used to be a slave. had no hope of, you know, maybe being the master's wife and having a child. She has one. And then, you know, it all goes downhill. She gets thrown out, the son, and then back. I think she's probably thinking life is full of ups and downs and is probably wondering what next, you know. What next? She's had a few what nexts in her life already. Yeah. That haven't looked great and but have worked out you could say, but still, another one, yeah. Uh, Sarah might have felt like a second-class citizen, says Leon and Sarah, lost. Yeah, 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 lost.
1: Like, I mean, it's one the of the things I see. Go ahead.
0: Yeah, I, we were just thinking, it,
1: she might feel quite discarded and used and abused by, by the family. Like, it, it was mm. convenient for her to do her duty, marry Abraham, have a son. But now she's got this new son, she's on the scrap heap, and a, a sense of worth must have been really depleted. And obviously, then her, her own son, then, then, you know, hasn't got any rights at all. So, been replaced by this new boy. So, um, yeah, very challenging, challenging situation. And in, in any way, she's done nothing wrong, it's the supposed righteous planned couple but are, uh, you know have done the wrong
0: thing here that's a really good point and in fact that reinforces what we saw in chapter 20 with abimelech because abimelech turns out was more righteous than abraham
1: yes and he's a first time.
0: time. yeah i mean he's he's not of the promise and indeed yeah. ishmael and hegar are not of the promise but they turn out to be faithful yeah now, that's good for us to think to see that uh, Aneta, by choosing a wife for her son, she wanted him to not feel dismissed as she felt and being given to Abraham as a wife. Well, that's an interesting one, Aneta. Thank you. What an interesting thought. Good. Good. OK, let me wrap this up. Then we'll draw things together for a couple of things. Uh, Desmond, I guess she feels God has made his promise come true that she and her son are being taken, off, taken care of. Finally. Yes. Yes. Finally, it's, it's working out. And uh, there will be a finally everything works out for all of us, but it may not be yet. (laughs) But it's coming. Um, One of the things I see in this passage is the thread, which we've seen before in chapter 20 and earlier, is the thread of hope and salvation, of grace and especially protection for the vulnerable and, and being protected, rescued, saved. And this is what happens around Abraham. Around Abraham, people that stick with him and are with him and God end up having hope. It doesn't, not everything in life is hope, thought. There are tough times and there are mistakes made. But ultimately, there is a life of hope. There's something moving towards something positive and better. And people around him are rescued, protected and saved. Even Hagar and Ishmael that are ultimately rejected and taken out of his local family unit There's still protection for them because they share in some connection with the same God, with Yahweh. And so we see this hope and salvation over over and over again going on through the Abrahamic story. And this is so much of why his faith is so admirable and recognized in the New Testament, is that he prefigures in the way that he has this life of hope and, and salvation, he prefigures what it means for us. In our relationship with God through Jesus, the son of the promise, the ultimate son of the promise, we can live a life of hope even when things are dark, even when things are messy, even when we've made terrible mistakes and sinned greatly. There is still always hope. There's always grace. And there is a direction we're moving towards, which is ultimate salvation. And God is protecting us in the meanwhile. Just like God hears the child here. Do you remember earlier with Hagar, when she was crying, it said God saw her. He's the God who sees, in an earlier chapter, and he's the God who hears. He hears and sees the needs of the vulnerable, those marginalized in our society, and those of us who are going through vulnerability induced times, things that are making us vulnerable. God sees, God hears, God offers hope, God offers salvation. This is what we see a lot in uh, this passage, and it teaches us so much about the heart of God. And we're seeing it here through, in particular, the situations of two mothers. These two mothers show us how God works and how God loves and how God looks after us. But truthfully, life is continuously challenging. I'm finding this, when I'm getting older, life is not getting easier. I'm sure that's true for pretty much all of us here. We see also that fear blinds us to the nature of God. Uh, Sarah's fears blind her to the fact that God actually loves Ishmael and loves Hagar and wants the best for them. She can't see it because of her fear. Fear is um, is one of those qualities which, unless disciplined, cause us and the people around us great harm. We see that protection for the vulnerable is emphasised and the promises are fulfilled some questions and then I'll take us to the cross for our communion perhaps something to think about to pray about to talk about with uh with one another one question would be what are we most afraid of what are you most afraid of and is that fear blinding you to the nature of God that he cares for you he's got a good plan for you there is a hope and there is protection what are you most afraid of secondly Do we really believe that God really cares about the most vulnerable in our culture, in our society, and if you're feeling vulnerable, cares about you? Do you really feel and believe and trust that God cares? We see it again and again in Scripture. He's got his eye on the sparrow, if you like. He's got his eye on the one that no one else hears or notices, and he does that for you. Whatever you're going through right now, he's hearing, and he's seeing. We really trust that. And finally, what promises of God keep us stable, keep you stable when the world wobbles? The world wobbles sometimes. Your world wobbles, my world wobbles. The death of my mother is one of those wobble moments. And today being Mothering Sunday, it's a wobble day for me. What promises are helping you to hold on to the fact that God still loves you and he's going to carry you through this, like he carries Hagar and Ishmael through their the wobble in their world. A little bit later on, my uh, sister and her husband and my father and I, we're going to go up to my mother's grave. It's not too far from here. And we'll do it, uh, do that this afternoon. And I'm glad we can go and uh, spend some time. Being at the graveside, remembering the uh, funeral not so long ago, remembering, obviously, my mother, and I don't know what I'll be thinking and feeling exactly. I think I'll be feeling some gratitude, and I think I'll be feeling some loss and pain, and I'll be thinking about my mum and memories of her, and I'm glad to be able to do it, but I'm dreading it at the same time, I suppose. Um and I'm going to stand at her grave, at my mother's grave, but the mother of Jesus stood at the cross of her son. As Akin read the scripture earlier, very appropriate actually from uh, John 19. Oh no, sorry, Pat read, thank you Pat. As She read um, near the cross, that's where Mary was, his, his mother. Mary, the mother of Jesus. And John was tasked with taking care of Jesus' mother. It shows the extraordinary love that Jesus had for his mother. But can you imagine how much love Mary must have had for her son to be able to stand at the cross? It takes me some courage on some level to stand at my mother's gravesite. But that's nothing compared to a mother standing at the foot of the cross where her son is being crucified. What an extraordinary devotion! she had to Jesus and he had to her and it reminds us of that and the fact that Jesus is devoted to us he's fully and wholeheartedly devoted to us that's why he went to the cross he went there not out of duty not out of obligation not out of some fulfillment of scripture as as a task but he went to the cross because of his deep abiding love for us You know, my uh, mother's middle name is Joy, as most of you will know. Her first name is Marion, and because that's the French version of Mary. And so my mother's full name was Mary Joy Cox. And so she was Mary Joy. She was the one who experienced the pain of motherhood, like Mary, the mother of Jesus. And she experienced the joy of motherhood, like all of the mothers I know. And in some ways, my mother was like Sarah and Hagar, sharing in joy and laughter and sharing in pain. Mary's joy, the Mary, the mother of Jesus, Mary's joy was in her son despite the pain. Our joy is in the son who bore our sins. This is why we come to the cross. It's why we take bread and wine. and It's why we hold on to our faith through the tough times so as we take some time to reflect now uh, let's pray and reflect on on the wonderful grace and mercy of god that means that we can share in the joy of the of the resurrection as well as the death of jesus instead of a song today while we take bread and wine we're just going to have silence so that we can reflect on these things and uh, perhaps meditate on the purpose of the cross let's pray together father in heaven We want to thank you so much for your mercy to us, your kindness and your grace. And we want to thank you for giving us life on this earth through the mothers who bore us. Father, thank you for every mother who's ever lived for without our mothers, there'd be no life. And we thank you for our mothers and especially father, we thank you that they bore us through pain that they considered that pain worthwhile so that we could have life. Similarly, Father, we thank you that Jesus bore the pain of the cross so that we could be born into new life. We pray that this week you'd help us to take the lessons from Abraham and Sarah and Hagar. Help us to not let fear dominate. Help us to believe in your provision, that you'll take care of us and protect us. Help us to have a sense of hope and that ultimately we are safe with you we thank you so much for the faith of abraham and pray that we might imitate his faith in the way that we we pray all this in jesus name Amen. amen let's take bread and wine together